All right. Good morning, church, and Happy New Year. Let me hear you make some noise again if you're glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. I'm so glad to be with you uh, all the way from Harlem, and I apologize for bringing the New York cold with me. Uh, when I got here, it was 60 degrees, and I woke up this morning, it was 20 degrees. Um, so there's your Christmas gift. Merry Christmas. Uh, I'm a cheerful giver. Um, I'm just glad to be here because, you know, these past couple years we've experienced have been rather chaotic, and it's been like a, a roller coaster of different things that we've dealt with. Um, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, you've been impacted by this in some type of way, and it's easy to be tempted, even as believers, to take your focus off of the main thing, which we know is Jesus Christ. But oftentimes, your situations can just be so up and down, and your emotional responses can lead you to be discouraged and lose uh, hope and faith. And oftentimes, we need reminders that even in the midst of chaos, there's no better place to find hope and encouragement than in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning, we're going to start a series called Focus, and who better to focus on than Jesus as we start 2022? Um, usually, we like to make New Year's resolutions. I think a lot of us just woke up and said, Lord, just keep me this year. Just keep me. Uh, I'll try to eat right. I'll go to the gym, but more, more than that, I'm, I just need you to keep me because just like last year and the year before, we don't know what's going to be ahead of us, but what we do know is what the song just reminded us of is that he is good, and he's never let us down. If you are here this morning, if you're streaming this morning, you should just remind yourself that if I'm here, the Lord has not let me down, and he's continued to be good. Amen? So before we even open up the scriptures, I'm just so glad to have Jesus. I'm so glad that he's in my life and that when times would get weird and I get discouraged, I can always lean back on him and refocus and be reminded that I'm in the hands of the one who holds the universe together. So go with me to the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to look at a very familiar story. This is one of the Sunday school specials. But um, as a church kid and a PK, I, I grew up in church and I heard this preached so many times, but the Lord showed me something very unique that I hadn't seen before. And if this doesn't encourage you, it definitely encourages me. Um, and I just wanted to share that with you. So if you'll go with me to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14, and we're starting at verse 13. I'm reading from the ESV Bible. If you have that, say amen. If you don't have it, say hold up. Matthew 14. Some of y'all are dishonest. You're in, you're in Jude right now saying amen. <laughs> Verse 13 says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Verse 17, they said to him, but Jesus, we only have five loaves and 
two fish. And Jesus said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and he took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves, gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. Will you pray with me as we go into his word? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for you being God and God alone, for you continuing to be good and for you never letting us down. And as we enter into another year, even in one of the most chaotic times that we've ever experienced, where things are inconsistent, help us to focus on you because you've always remained consistent in our lives. Show us how to refocus. Show us what we need to focus on in you to help our situations. And so we can stay encouraged in this new year. Lord, we love you. And it's an honor and a privilege to be able to read and hear your word and to be able to worship with our brothers and sisters this morning. I pray that even if it's just one, that one would be encouraged and that one would be saved today. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's officially... 2022, and I have a lot of things to be excited for this year. Um, as you may know, I am the pastor of Cultivate NYC, which is the church plant in New York that all of you have come together and helped support, and we're so excited that this year will be the year that we will start to have service and that we will launch and we will officially be a church in New York. So you can make some noise for that. That alone is enough to be excited about. Um, but there's also something else this year that I'm anxiously excited about, and um, I really need your prayers and your support because in a couple months, I will be turning 30. <laughs> I don't know if you know any millennials or if you have any children who are facing this dilemma of looking at 30 in the face, but this is a very stressful time in the life of these 29-year-olds, and some of us have already passed into 30. And one thing that I can admit about the 20s is, is that your 20s is kind of adulthood boot camp. Like, it's just training camp for actual adulthood. You're like in your 20s, and you're an adult, but you're not really grown. You're just kind of learning and figuring it out. You're still young enough to make mistakes and start over and everything. But once you hit 30, that's when everybody's like, okay, you got to get your act together. You're 30. And a lot of us have been anxious about this age. And one thing that I can admit is there's a lot of things that my parents and even mentors and people in the church tried to warn me and kind of give me advice about when it came to adulthood. But there's nothing like actually going through things and actually experience it for yourself. You can give all the advice you want to to your children, but they kind of have to experience certain things for them to really understand the depth of what you are telling them. For example, uh, my parents used to tell me all the time about bills and rent and, you know, when you're a kid, you just ask for things and money and you're not thinking about the consequences of that. And in my 20s, I started to pay bills and I started to have rent due and like every, the light came on. I was like, man, I really gave my parents a hard time. This is real. This is not easy. And I didn't really understand it when I was younger, but when the first came, 
and I didn't have anybody to lean on but me and my bank account and I had to pay rent. It really hit home. I started to experience certain things that people tried to tell me about, but you have to experience it to really understand it. And that makes me think of different times where I pray and I bring my cares to the Lord. And yes, I know that he's concerned about me and he wants to bless me, but there are times where I really feel like, can Jesus understand what I'm dealing with? Way up in heaven, can he really empathize with what I'm dealing with? And then we think about what John chapter one says where yes, he was with the Lord in the beginning, but then later in the chapter it says he became flesh and dwelt among us. And it's encouraging to know that we trust in a savior that not only cares for us, but who understands us. He was fully God, but also fully man, which means the things we were tempted with, the things that we struggle with, the same emotions, the same hardships, Jesus understands what it's like. We're not just giving our cares to a God who's so separate from us that he can't empathize. Jesus understands what we're going through. And verse 13 in our reading today really brought that home to me. A lot of times when we read this story about Jesus feeding the 5,000, we just like to skip straight to the miracle, straight to the amazing part, right? But you can skip verse 13 and you miss an opportunity to humanize Jesus and see that he really can relate to us. Look at verse 13 in Matthew 14. It says, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew to a desolate place by himself. Now, it says that Jesus heard some news that caused him to withdraw. And if you read the earlier part in chapter 14, you would see that John the Baptist had just had his life taken by King Herod. Now, you know, King Herod, if you were studying the Christmas stories, from the moment Jesus was born, or even the news about him being born, Herod wanted Jesus to be gone. So Herod had already had it out for Jesus, and this is now Herod's son who took the life of John the Baptist. And you gotta understand that this news came to Jesus, and I would be, uh, I would, I would be inclined to believe that this led him to be in a, in a, in a state of grief. This is John the Baptist. I grew up with John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized me. John the Baptist paved the way and said, here comes the Savior. And then I get this news that his life has been taken. And it says that Jesus heard this news and he withdrew right there. That touched me because yes, he's my Lord and Savior, but in this moment we see him in his human state wrestling with some tough news. Jesus is familiar with grief. Jesus is familiar with living life and having chaotic news come to you, and you still have to function in the midst of the things that you heard. And he wasn't so God that he could just keep going. He had to withdraw. You even heard in, his, in the Gospels where he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was sweating drips of blood. Jesus is acquainted with dealing with stress and grief. And a lot of you should be encouraged today. We don't even have to move past verse 13 to understand that 
When you come to the Lord with your hardships and you tell him about what you're dealing with and it's hard and it's stressful and you're grieving, you've had some losses and you're dealing with some things, that Jesus understands what that feels like. It says that he heard the news and he withdrew. There are times where I hear news and there are times where I deal with things and I just need to have some time by myself. I know I'm up here and I'm before you and it looks like I'm an extrovert, I'm an introvert. So a lot of times I need to go home and recharge and spend time with the Lord. And for me to see that even Jesus had to take some time to withdraw, that encourages me. And as you focus on Jesus, before you get to his miracles, before you get to what he can do for you, you need to remember that he understands. He understands what you feel. He understands how hard life can be. He understands what it's like to receive hard news. But if you keep reading, you see he understands what it's like to deal with things but still have to serve and still have to be responsible for the things you're responsible for. So verse 13 should bless you as you humanize him and you see that even though Jesus was dealing with the news and the tough situations in his life, he still took time to spend time with God. But then you keep reading in verse 14, it says, before that it says, but when the crowds heard the news, they followed him into the town. Verse 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them. Everybody say compassion. Let's try that again. Everybody say compassion. Jesus saw the crowd as he was trying to withdraw and he had compassion for them. Now, I don't know about you, if I'm grieving, if I just lost somebody, if a crowd is coming at me, they just might as well keep walking because I don't have anything for you. <laughs> I am sad, I'm grieving, you need to just keep on moving, I don't have anything for you. But Jesus, he saw the crowd and it said he had compassion for them. If you keep reading in verse 14, it says not only did he have compassion, but he healed their sick. And then in verse 15, it says, Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. And they told Jesus, Send the crowds away. Tell them to go to the towns and get what they need. Jesus, we, we know the news you just heard. We know you're dealing with things. We know you want to spend some time with the Father. Tell the crowd to go away. But verse 16, Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we only have five loaves and two fish. And then Jesus said, bring them here to me. This is so encouraging to me. When I think about how this pandemic has highlighted one of the most tragic things about our society and about us as Americans is that we are so easily tempted to just be self-centered. When we go through things and we need things, a lot of times it's easy to just say, I'm just going to focus on me. I know other people are dealing with stuff, but this is the me show. This is what I need. But Jesus, even in his time of needing to withdraw and be with the Father, he sees a crowd in need of him. And instead of doing what the disciples told him to say or do, he says, no, don't turn them away because he has compassion for them. So he cared for them, and even in his grief, he healed the sick. And then a disciple said, well, send them to the town so they can get some food. But then Jesus said, no, no, no. They don't need to go away. You feed them. 
So here's a lesson for you. We know that Jesus understands us, but don't forget that Jesus also cares for us. These people heard that news and they followed him wherever he went. Now us in this room, most of us are followers of Jesus Christ. So this should encourage you to know that when you follow him, even in the midst of bad news, even in the midst of everything that's going on, that Jesus has compassion for those who follow him. He didn't just have compassion, but he healed them and he fed them. So Jesus, even in the midst of chaos, didn't allow the chaos to kill his compassion. Ooh, I need you to hear that again. Even in the midst of the chaos, he didn't allow the chaos to kill his compassion. How easy is it for us to focus in on the things that are happening in our lives and the things that we're concerned about, but we also see the crowd of people that desperately need Jesus. But we become so self-centered that we just say, uh, it's justified for us to send them away. Yes, we're dealing with a lot of things. Yes, there's reason for us to sit down as believers. But as his disciples, we can't afford to send away those who desperately need Jesus. A lot of people look at us as a church and they think we're crazy. They say, why are you still coming to church? Why are you still planting churches? Why are you still going to connect groups? Why are we still doing the growth series? Why are we doing these things? Because we won't allow the chaos to kill our compassion. No matter what's going on, we wanna be just like Jesus where we see people who need him and we have compassion for them. Jesus cares for us because he's a good shepherd. And then because he cared, he commanded his disciples to care. He didn't stop at caring. He even gave them a command and said, no, don't send them away, you feed them. But then what do we do as disciples? Jesus gives a calling, he gives a command, and then what do we do? We give an excuse. We reach in our pocket, boop, here's an excuse. They say, Jesus, I know you want us to feed them, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. We might be able to make a fish sandwich and you know, me and Peter might be able to eat, but who else gonna eat, right? But then look how Jesus responds to this. In verse 18, when they say we only have five loaves and two fish, Jesus says, bring them here to me. Mm. They responded with what they didn't have. And Jesus responded with a command to say, bring them here to me. This leads to my third point, that Jesus is our source. In that moment, the disciples focused on the resources when they should have been focusing on Jesus, who is the source. Man, if this pastor thing don't work out, I think I'm gonna start a rap career and drop an album. Did you hear that? The resource, the source. The re anyway, in New York, we're in a very pivotal, a pivotal, pivotal time in our life where we just, came off of a lot of mission trips and a lot of people are excited. We've been serving at different churches and we are really becoming acclimated with the community and we're engaging and 
One of our biggest wins we just had is that we just acquired a space for us to have an office and start to do community engagement out of. Can you clap your hands for that? That's very exciting. We got a space, we started to have Bible studies, our team is growing, we're celebrating, everything's amazing. But don't you know, when you have things to celebrate, there's always something that happens. And at our last uh, vision meeting with our team, we were in our new space, and our space is still kind of unrenovated and raw, and we just said, we want you to look at this space and start to dream. We want you to see this space as it is, because in a few months, this will be where we engage New York through. And there will be people who walk past and they see Cultivate NYC and they'll see a people who is here to serve. And we were so excited. And as we ended in prayer, our core team couples, they pulled us to the side and they said, we're super excited about what's going on, but we've decided we're going to actually move away from New York. And in that moment, we lost two couples that were very fundamental to our core team. And in that moment, I was like, God, we have this new space and we really want to start having services and we're looking to launch this year and then we just lose half of our core team. Is this really what you've called us to do? We don't have enough people. I, I started to really focus on what we didn't have. And I started to get discouraged. And then I'm reminded of this story where the disciples did the exact same thing. They said, Jesus, I know what you've commanded us to do. I know you've called us to feed these people, but look at what we have. We don't have enough to do what you've called us to do. And what did Jesus say to them? He didn't say, oh, I understand you don't have enough. He didn't say, oh, well, just take a break. He simply said, bring them to me. It's easy to focus on what you don't have and to focus on what you're lacking when you really just need to focus on what Jesus told you to do. He didn't say, I need you to have enough. He didn't say, I need you to be enough. He said, I just need you to bring the people that need me to me. Because if you keep reading, when they finally obeyed him and gave him what they had, it says that Jesus lifted what they had to heaven and he blessed it and he broke it and gave it to the disciples and the disciples gave it to the people and what was not enough turned out to be way too much. Come on now, Jesus is an expert of making not enough more than enough. It says that not only did they eat, but they were satisfied. And as I head back to New York, I'm gonna keep this mind, keep this encouragement, and keep this focus of knowing that I'm just where the disciples were. I have a command, I have a calling on my life, and I can make an excuse or I can just obey what Jesus said and say, bring them to me. Jesus has never asked you to have enough or be enough. That is so counter the gospel. Because when you think about how we received our salvation, it was because when it came to God's standard and his requirement, we didn't have enough. I can't be righteous enough. I can't live a life good enough. There's nothing I can do to be good enough for God. But then Jesus steps in and his grace steps in. And where I am lacking, 
he steps in and says, I know that Charles isn't enough. I know that he's sinned. I know he's not perfect, but that's why I came, to die in his place and give forgiveness for his sins so that when he shows up in the presence of God to be judged, the Lord doesn't see him. He sees me more than enough, the perfect Savior who died in my, in my place. So here I am in New York about to form an excuse and forget that if Jesus was enough to give me eternal salvation, why can't I trust him to be more than enough to do what he asked me to do on earth? Jesus is the source, which is why you can't focus on the resource. The Bible says that every good and great gift comes from above. So when you focus on what you don't have, you're missing the opportunity to trust the one who has everything. Jesus took what the disciples gave them and made it more than enough. As we enter into 2022, we must keep our focus on Jesus, knowing that Jesus understands us. He really does. And that Jesus cares for us. Let me make it personal. Jesus cares for you and your individual situation. He understands you and your individual situation. But lastly, <laughs> Jesus is the source of everything you need in this life. It says that when the disciples gave him what they had, he took what they had, looked up to heaven, and said a blessing. And I want us to end this sermon doing just that. I want to pray a blessing over you. And I want you to get in your mind, get in your heart. What am I coming into 2022 with? And what am I trusting God to do with my life? Am I going to be like him? When there's chaos, there's bad news, there's every reason to just remove myself and sit down. And am I going to look at the people who desperately need him and not allow the chaos to kill my compassion for them? The church cannot afford to sit out in 2022. The same news that you're hearing, the crowds are hearing. And it says the crowds followed him. This year, we're going to have a lot of people who realize that Jesus is everything that they need. And they're going to need us as his disciples to be obedient, to feed the people who show up. Will you stand with me as we pray this blessing? I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. I'm going to pray this blessing over us. And this is a prayer for strength. This is a prayer that I pray follows us into this year. And as I pray, will you put your hands in the posture to receive? And it reads like this. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power, through his spirit and in your inner being 
so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.